do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're surfing the web and you're going through different news stories and you you happen upon the present one you're reading and you, you read like in the same sentence the words taylor swift and football and you're like how did i get here what is this that i'm reading <laughs> none of this makes any sense to me and i want out of here there's I, I don't know why i brought that up i guess that's just an icebreaker i had a lot of those instances uh recently you just you know it's like the news story involves madonna and you're like how in the world did i get here anyways this is the unexpected cosmology my name is noel joshua hadley shalom thank you for coming tonight hopefully you guys can hear me uh, loud and clear and know the the title of this video is not clickbait uh that was one of the questions that was put forward right away and i just want to encourage everyone this is going to be kind of this is impromptu it's kind of casual what i'm going to do tonight is i'm going to read through my latest newsletter that i put out today uh, that's the other thing if you don't subscribe to my newsletter please do i put them out about once a month detailing all the latest news and information and, and books that we put out and so on and so forth i'm going to read through that giving some commentary you guys will quickly uh, see what i'm getting at and, and then afterwards i kind of just want to go through my own biography go through my history and talk about my life leading up to this moment and um, hopefully where i see my future going uh and um especially for a lot of the new people that have come to my station uh, my channel and my website and my writings and so on and so forth some of you have been with me quite a few years and so you you know me pretty well but maybe you'll hear something new tonight so let's see if i can get right to that here's the uh what i'll be reading through well the unexpected cosmology uh, ah, can't even talk hold on i need more coffee see the problem is is that i like an hour ago I was really sleepy and I was like, I can't do this tonight. So I brewed a, a cup of coffee and now I'm just like buzzing. I'm like wired and there's no way I'm going back to sleep tonight. Yeah, shalom, everybody coming in. All right. Will the unexpected cosmology survive? And there we go, right? There. <laughs> Feed uh, GoFundMe the baby elephant. I named the baby elephant GoFundMe. Yes. Yes, I'm actually going there. So here we are. Will the unexpected cosmology survived by yours truly Noel Joshua Hadley written today 130 2024 well it's happening I've started a GoFundMe account uh first time I ever did it too all indications have uh the Hadleys that would be me Noel Joshua Hadley the Hadleys moving to a single family income very informative uh we were anticipating the change within the next couple of years but not this soon so to sum up what I just stated um my wife and I have been talking about being single family income and her not working anymore. Uh, it's been the plan for some time. And the plan was hopefully in the next couple years, but not now, not this soon. So as a ministry, the unexpected cosmology has little choice but to become the sole financial provider or hang up and retire. So that tells you where this is going tonight. Uh, will the unexpected cosmology survive? If... Um, uh, if, it, if it cannot, if it cannot provide, uh, then things are going to, you know, drastically change around here. Um, I'll have to uh, go become like a door greeter at Walmart or something like that. Uh, this is the most serious I have ever been when I say I need your help. If 
Tuck has blessed you on your journey of discovery and spiritual walk, then I ask that you please consider becoming a financial supporter if you haven't already. Uh, and, and allow me to explain. I have a lot to talk about tonight. During the summer of 2022, uh, we launched the TUC Book Club. It, it might have been closer to the end of 2022. I'd have to look at the date. Uh, but it was for the specific purpose of supporting the financial needs of Rebecca Gould. Now, let me talk a little bit about Rebecca. Uh, she came into the ministry, I guess it would have been back in 2021 now. It was summertime, 2021. She discovered my work just like a lot of you do, where it was just kind of eat, sleep, poop, uh, read Noel's papers, and she became obsessed about it. She started learning about the the Torah. Now, she had uh, heard of Rob Skiba before she was knowledgeable of his work but this was the first time when she came in and, and really like started to see it like oh like these are the instructions in righteous living and she became uh uh very desirous to learn more about them and keep them and it came to my attention in um well we were talking in uh it would have been may or june of 2022 and originally i brought her on uh, to edit books for me. And the idea was I would just pay her uh, per book that she did. And um, and hopefully she doesn't mind me giving this story. Uh, within a few months, uh, I somebody tipped me off that I needed to talk to her. And uh, I call her up and lo and behold, I find out that she is at the bottom of her barrel financially. Uh, she doesn't have a job. She hasn't in years. And, you know, has like another month to go before she's done financially. And I said, well, we can't have that. So I, I brought her on as a full-time employee. I said, hey, how about, you know, you show me what you need to, like what you need per month to survive financially. And we're going to make sure to do that. Well, the problem was, is like, I was thinking, how am I going to do that? So we had to come up and put our heads together. And we came up with the TUC book club. Uh, I think it was my idea. And I said, well, I said, Rebecca, what if we start putting out one book per month? a new book and people we get people to subscribe to these books and then these books come to the doorstep they pay for them and then you make the money off of that and she's like okay let's do that so we started that off and like the last several books guys that i published the finances went to support rebecca all right it, when people this is it's hard for me to talk about these things because people have this idea that uh i've been doing this for free like turning out paper after paper and research and research and and books week after week after week since uh, January 2017 when I started the website and you know I it's never been about money it's always been about putting the information out there and my desire has been to provide for other people now I've never met Rebecca in real life I've never been in the same room or same city at the same time to my knowledge um and yet you know she's an employee and I I um uh, I support her. So it's been, it took about a year and a half, um, a little over a year of doing the book club to actually, to pay off uh, where it wasn't draining my pocket. You know, I wasn't bleeding money to, uh, to make this work. Um, and we, we finally got her to where she needs to be. Um, so yeah, so let's move on. So it, as, as I say here, it was a success. Uh, Rebecca has proven to be an incredible ministry building partner, providing top notch providing top-notch work as an editor and bringing numerous texts to modern audiences like The Earth, Not a Globe, a review, Volumes 1 and 2, which I absolutely adore, among others. She uh, she also runs the TUC store. Now, I want to point out here that 
she, a lot of people don't know Rebecca or who she is. Uh, she might just be some random name out there that they've heard on the internet once in a while, but she has made uh, the unexpected cosmology. It's, it's, it's face. I mean, she has given it visibility and she does a lot. I mean, she has been an enormous asset to this ministry. So I'm very grateful for her. Uh, up to this point, the TUC book club and store have been uh, utilized to support her needs, as I mentioned. Uh, and I, and I want to stress this to everyone. Uh, and I already had a phone call with Rebecca today and we talked through this and I wanted to ensure her, uh, Rebecca is going to remain with the TUC family. Nothing is going to change on that front. She's going to continue being provided with. And I told her, I said, um, like, I'm not, I'm not jumping ship and leaving you on it. You know, I'm not throwing you to the curb or anything like that. You and I, uh, we're going to go down on the ship together. Like if this ship goes down, you know, if we have to become grocers, you know, go down to uh, uh, Publix or whatever, become grocers, like we're going to do it together. Uh, fast forward to September of 2023. Now we're going to talk about my wife, Sarah. And, and if you guys stick with me to the end of the video, as I go through my life story, I'll give the story of uh, how my wife and I met and our development and all that kind of stuff. After finishing her latest uh, contract as a software engineer, and she has worked for herself for many, many years, a uh, very, very good software engineer. And she, um, you know, contracts herself out to different um, uh, businesses. Um, I asked, I personally asked my wife, Sarah, to take six months off and consider becoming a full-time mom, uh, give a, a test run. And she agreed. Now, I need to clarify that uh, she and I both work from home, so it's not like either one of us were leaving, but, you know, we have a family of three now. I have two sons and a daughter and, uh, you know, we homeschool them. We're all a family unit at home. So she's working on one side of the house. I'm working on the other. It's not like we're, you know, far apart, but uh, I asked her, you know, it was, it was a perfect time. Her contract came to an end. And I said, you know, what if you just consider uh, being a stay home mom and take these six months, think it over and, uh, you know, homeschool the children, that kind of stuff. And up to that point, uh, for the first four years of my son's uh, homeschooling, I homeschooled them. And then she took over duties this year for, for their fourth grade year. And uh, anyways, and now where has the time gone? Meaning the six months are almost up. It's, it's been five months now. Uh, looks like that six months is nearly expired. Uh, you know, with that in mind, there is bad news and there is good news. The good news is that Sarah never wants to work for another company again, if it can be helped. She wants to devote her full-time talents to our children and a, a TUC partnership, thereby expanding the vision of this ministry in groundbreaking new ways. Now, what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, she can finally go to work for TUC uh, for me. And she could, as a software engineer, she could sit there with me and we could work side by side and uh, help expand this ministry, which never happened before. Now, the bad news is that her contract is not being renewed. And actually, right before, interestingly enough, right before I turned on this video, like 20 minutes before, uh, we yeah, we found out even more so, like, it's not being renewed. Uh, therefore, the road signs all seem to be pointing towards the inevitable. Uh, we feel that Yahuwah wants us to take this next step in our life journey, meaning uh, it's kind of like, looks like she's not going back to work. And we're just, we, we were really hoping she would go back to work, uh, get a contract for one more year. I'll explain in a second. 
So with Sarah at the helm, being the brilliant problem solver that she is, we believe we can implement practical ways of covering our family's financial needs uh, via this ministry. Uh, we believe we can get her to come in uh, to the Unexpected Cosmology, which is a you know a small-time publishing company struggling, but we're uh, coming out with some great titles, and she's going to really help with that uh, firsthand. Uh, but starting out, we need your help. We, uh, we need ministry supporters, and, and many of you have been supporting us for the last year. I, I really appreciate everybody who's been um, subscribing to uh, the Unexpected Cosmology. Uh, not including the financial support already going towards Rebecca. So we already have, you know, a huge chunk of really almost everything at this point going towards Rebecca. Our hope is to get us at a place where we can bring in, I'm going to say it, 8000 per month. Uh, we can float uh, financially at 5000 um, though at present that will eat into our savings. And, of course, the last several months have all been based upon the floating principle. I mean, we've been just eating on our savings. Uh, to give you an overview of our expenses, it's actually not all that grim. Uh, we have one automobile, a 2002 Ford F-350. Uh, it's diesel. Uh, it's paid off. We own an RV. You can see I'm sitting in it right now. Uh, it's a fifth wheel. Uh, it's paid off. So that's good. Uh, no debts there. Uh, what isn't paid off is our mortgage. That's the one debt we have left. We have a mortgage. We live in a three-bedroom house in the East Coast, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina, which we're about to return to uh, in about, a, uh, we'll be there next Monday. I can't wait. Had Sarah's contract been renewed, we would have likely had the house paid off by April this year. Yeah, bummer in two or three months time from now like that's how close we were but that no longer appears to be the plan so that, that was the plan that she would take one more year's contract and we would get that paid off and then we would be freed up financially to you know be single income uh based on the unexpected cosmology uh now once the house is paid off we can bring our monthly family budget drastically down to five thousand a month and you know i think we could even lower it more than that but you guys know how it is with inflation nowadays and you know everything is so unpredictable we are also hoping for another year's contract because uh, we were oh I, let me take that back we were also hoping for another year's contract because the house does need a lot of work you know how that goes uh, we were gonna it has an original kitchen we were gonna remodel all that stuff that's out out the window now though again that no longer appears appears to be the plan so here's where some of you are going to like really roll your eyes and <laughs> I could see this all over the comment section on the uh, in internet chat rooms uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, the, current fan, the, the current fundraiser, which I'm going to show you, has an aim of $15,000, uh, providing a m maximum of three months um, income. Now that's going to take us up to the summer. All right. That's going to help as the unexpected cosmology last up up to the beginning of the summer. No, it is not a long-term solution. A long-term solution will come through uh, product sales, you know, books as a small-time publishing company and Patreon supporters, which I ask that you also consider. Uh, I was very pleased to see that today we had like several new signs, uh, signups in uh, Patreon. And those are listed below every video, just so you know. It will, however, give us a head start amping up the production at TUC. Uh, you guys, I'm a, Rebecca does a lot and I am so glad for uh, my buddy, uh, Dave and uh, other people like Michael and, and Crazy Chicken Boy and 
uh, and Pamela and other people who are part of the team who do so much and so on and so forth. But from my end, if you understand, I'm just one guy, right? Trying to, to hold all this together and put out these, these weekly Torah portions and studies and research. And I got to run the, the, the book publishing company and work with the authors and, you know, all, it's just, it's, it's a lot. Um, so let me say that again. It, it will, however, give, give us a head start amping up the production at TUC. In a moment, I will let you in on some of our ministry goals. Asking for assist, assistance is something which I clearly do not enjoy. Guys, I do not like talking about money. I, I cannot stand it. Uh, I have maintained the unexpected cosmology for years on the mere desire to promote a deeper understanding of the world, which Yahuwah, as I call him now, is king over, and in doing so, encouraging Bible believers to take steps of obedience towards his instructions in righteous living. That's So those are the two goals I have. One is that I want to affirm uh, the reality of the Bible to the world um, through, through the pursuit of truth. And the second is that I want to take Bible believers and encourage them to take that next step in their relationship with Yahuwah. Uh, you can even you can say Yahuwah, Yahweh, um, or you could say even Yeshua, right? I want to encourage them to take that next step of obedience. Say, look, you're already in a relationship. You believe in him. Now let's, let's, let's go further. Let's go deeper into this and follow his commands. But then with everything I have just stated, it is now or perhaps never. It's now or never. Trusting in the provisions of Yahuwah has never been more imperative. And I, I am I am fully, uh, I don't have any doubts that Yahuwah uh, has full control over the situation, none whatsoever. But this, you know, this could be one of those situations where he, um, you know, closes the door to the unexpected cosmology. He said, okay, you've, you've done what you were supposed to do. We're closing this, we're closing shop. You're going to do something else now. Or... Uh, he could just expand this in magnificent ways and just really take this ministry to new levels. I don't know which. I'm okay with whatever, whatever Yah's will is. Um, but, you know, my wife and I are at the point because because of the sheer amount of time this takes me week after week after week and how draining it is. Uh, you know, we, we both have agreed that with our family, uh, we can't have two working um uh, parents anymore like it needs to be one focused on the family the house the children and the other working so um, like i said if this doesn't you know bring it in then i'll be going elsewhere uh to make ends meet and i hope that's not the case i hope that i would like to be around for many many years i'd like to be around for decades i'd like to be here you know 2030 see what what happens on the other end i'd like to be here at 2050 you know if, if everything is still ticking if the clock is still ticking i'd like to be here and and pursuing truth with you guys and reading from scripture and having Bible studies and all that kind of stuff. Moving forward, my goal at TUC is to focus upon, upon providing more resource information for the foundations of spiritual growth. I love, love, love discovering new layers of truth and then telling others about them. But all the same, as a missionary to fill the truth seekers, and that's what I am, uh, I'm not trying to like butter you up or anything, I'm a missionary, that's what I am, I've, I've been there for years. As a missionary to fellow truth seekers, it is important to ensure various levels of development are being cultivated. 
so what I mean by this is that um, I'm a I'm a I'm a very kind of meaty guy, kind of very stoic. Not I don't get really too emotional. You know, I I'm one of those guys. Just show me the facts. Show me the truth. Right. I'm not going to I'm not going to determine what the truth is based on how it makes me feel. Um, and I hope not. I hope I don't. Maybe I do, but I don't think I do. I think that um, it, one of the my negative um, uh, points is that, and I was talking to Rebecca about this today, and she was in agreement, uh, is that I'm a I'm a very intellectual guy, and so I think that that's a deterrent for a lot of people, because there's a lot of people out there that they just need more of the bare bones stuff, you know, and and so they they kind of listen to the things I, I one of the things i hear all the time is people say oh i need to watch your video two or three times to understand what you're talking about i'm like oh really because i try to take these complex ideas and try to kind of funnel them down into something that hopefully the crowd can understand and it feels like i'm not always doing that um and and so I think a lot of people just kind of move on. Like, I can't, this is too much for me. This is just, you know, and then people start calling me names and stuff. And it's usually, it's more projecting based on, you know, maybe their lack of under, you know, their inability to understand things or whatever. I don't know. But what people need is that they need to see that, you know, uh, as a shepherd, that, that the shepherd is going to lead them towards green pastures and, you know, waters, right? They're going to get nourishment for their soul. They're going to, uh, they're going to get development in their spirit. And any, any true uh, any true teacher, um, the, the, a true teacher is somebody who uh, doesn't hold someone's hand, but actually points the way and, and shows them this is how you walk the path, right? And, and kind of leads them off on the path. And so what I'm saying is that the, I, I recognize that there are multiple different types of people coming into this ministry. And one of the the big complaints I was getting from people is that like, no, like you're covering all this amazing stuff. We love it. But can you just do some back to basic stuff, you know? And this is why I started up the Torah portion. And so we started that in September and I'm dedicated this year and I want to do it again next year. I love the Torah portions and to go through this. So as people are coming into the ministry, they're discovering mud flat stuff, Tartaria stuff, you know, all that, all that good stuff, the reptilians, you know, whatever they're, they're coming into this, uh, and then they're seeing what, what is this Torah stuff, right? And they're, they're seeing this week after week after week. And that's, that's the missional aspect and showing people that let's, let's take you back to the basics and show you what the Bible is actually about. What, what are the foundations of scripture and, um, and show you how you too can live a set apart life for Yahuwah. You can pursue righteousness, right? All right. So, and I say in the next sentence, look at that. One of the ways this is being accomplished are through my weekly Torah portion studies on the eve of Shabbat. Some of you will appreciate that, that I put the eve of Shabbat. These serve as an introduction to the instructions for many individuals who are pouring into TUC through our alternative avenues of biblical truth research. So, and I think I just explained that. Now, already the website is stocked with rarely read extra biblical books. I, I have put dozens that I have personally edited that I've gone through and I put up uh, in terms of for resources. A lot of people don't know that they're there, all of which have been personally edited and many are offered in physical book form. To give you an example of two upcoming endeavors um, that I plan in the very near future, I aim to lead a study on Paul's letter to the Galatians according to the Torah. Yes, I'm going to do it, which is a behemoth hurdle for most to overcome. When, when most people 
they when they they bring out the objection but paul but paul but paul usually what they're talking about is galatians i mean really like if you, that is something that people are like but no haven't you read galatians <laughs> you know what i'm saying and and so my goal is i i'm already in the early stages now preparing this it, it's going to be in both written form a paper for people you know to, to for people to get out there on the internet but also there'll be something i'm going to discuss just like we're doing now as a, a study and just show like even for the anti-paul crowd the anti-paul crowd out there it's a growing movement um you know however they might villainize him in any, any number of ways to actually show that like when you the context of galatians like what's really going on there and it's one of those shocking things and you're like oh he was defending the torah he was actually very pro-torah in galatians uh, that so that one uh, is already in its early stages. I I can't wait to present that. It, it we're looking several weeks away, but just letting you know. An another aim is to produce weekly Torah portions notes in book form for small group of personal studies. And so uh, we're right now in Exodus, and what follows Exodus is Leviticus. So I think I'm going to start on Leviticus first, so it's ready to go in about six weeks. Um, I, next week, that's my goal to start working on that. I'm gonna. Uh, so what I want to do is is have it could be printable like printouts people have but it'll be in book form ebook form whatever but actually all the torah portions laid out with notes and the the scriptures that go along with it and stuff like that for uh, small group studies for families whatever to sit down practically and um to go along with them so that's what we're trying that's my goal here at tuc is to foster more uh you know spiritual guidance and in in practicality so that when people come over to this very scary anthropological concept of the Torah and oh this is so so Jewish you know that kind of stuff and to just say no 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 come on here like like this is it, it's really not that complicated and actually when you actually dig into it you're going to realize that your entire understanding of the Bible before this was like the 10 percent it was like the tip of the iceberg and then when you understand the Torah uh you know, when you go home and read the Bible for yourself and stop listening to how other people tell you to interpret the Bible, when you actually read it, then you just, it, it blows everything out of the water, everything you thought you knew. Oh, and there's another really fun and exciting addition, which Sharon and I are currently developing, one which will benefit many well beyond this ministry, but I can't give it away until it has near uh, completion. I won't tell you guys, but it's going to be really awesome. I can't wait to announce it. So I do ask that you please pray and consider investing in the future of TUC. Uh, many are coming to the truth of Yehusha HaMashiach and his father's commands via the Torah. And of course, my theme verse is Revelation 14, 12, which talks about the, the set apart who, um, who endear to the end. And this, this is Revelation, mind you, when apparently the law was done away with. And uh, they're, the, the saints are defined as those who keep the father's commands and the testimony of Yehusha HaMashiach telling you that the testimony, the testimony of Yehusha HaMashiach is not complete without uh, the Father's commands. You can't sever the two. Uh, so let me, let me just, I, I cut this instance off. Let me try this again. Many are coming to the truth of Yehusha HaMashiach and his Father's commands, Revelation 14, 12, via the Torah, uh, though the alternative research, uh, or through the alternative research being offered. Thank you for reading this, and Shalom, Noel Joshua Hadley, 130, 24. Um, so let me, uh, 
show you. Now, there, there's a couple ways. Um, I started the fundraiser today. And, uh, oh, man, it's not here. I got to kill the screen here. Give me a second here. And bring this back up again. I wish there was an easier way to do this. I didn't have to kill the screen. So here's what we've raised so far today. I know I gave you a lofty number, right? My goal is fifteen thousand uh, dollars to keep this afloat. And uh, today, I already—I just started this today. We're already nineteen hundred dollars into this, and only seven donations. Seven donations brought nineteen hundred dollars. This is achievable. It can be done. And uh, I thank everybody who's uh, already participated. So there's a link to this video. You can go over there uh, to uh, the GoFundMe account. You can contribute. Also, um, uh, Patreon, you can go there, become a, a monthly member, so on and so forth. I do really appreciate it, everybody. Um, I'll leave this up for just a moment. And you can see there the the article I just read to you, it's it's here as well. So you can go to the uh, GoFundMe account. You could read what I just went through. And um, let me give you a, also a quick tour here, just in case you guys didn't know this. So I have to stop my screen again. and pull this back up all right so i just want to show you guys for those of you that do become patreon oh man you serious you <laughs> it says you must be a patron to see the what do you mean i'm the owner of this site what do you mean you have to be a patron well okay well that didn't work out <laughs> uh i need more coffee oh man this has never happened to me before here i'm live and my own website has kicked me out as you can see here it looks like it had kicked me out oh my goodness the nerve the nerve i tell you i'll have to sign back in as administrator but i'm not going to do that on live camera so for now anyways what you're supposed to see here is my archives room where i have dozens and dozens and dozens of papers uh pdfs that are all downloadable for anyone who is a um uh, now, you know, you can go through each individual article and you can get it, but you, I have a whole room here that's just easily navig navigatable. Is that a word? Uh, navigation worthy, seaworthy. It's seaworthy. And uh, you can go pull them down. I have hundreds of articles on here. I mean, some of these, you know, papers are hundreds of pages each, too. I mean, just a lot of information. I put my life's work into this. And, you know, I, I think it's, I give this away pretty, I mean, I've been giving this away for free for years, but I believe that a man uh, is due his wages. I really do. Um, I, I don't believe in entitlement. Uh, I don't believe that, you know, that somebody, you know, if it's the truth that they don't deserve to get uh, paid for, I don't believe that at all. Um, so support your favorite uh, youtube channel it doesn't have to be mine but you know or provider or whatever your 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 pill uh <laughs> your pill dispenser your truth dispenser all right um let me get off this page because that's going to be a deterrent for the rest of this so what i wanted to do for the remainder of the discussion tonight is yes this is uh charlie brown so uh i'm i used to be a big uh charles schultz um uh peanuts fan back in the day and i i can tell you that i've read every single comic strip from for 
every for all 50 years 1950 through 2000 uh, i was a big fan back in the day anyways that being said so i want to take you guys uh through my i guess life story and be kind of a nice little meet and greet for those of you who don't know much about me uh, i was born on december 28th 1980 now the story that my mom gives is i don't i don't think my parents will ever recognize how prophetic this was is my dad was taking down the christmas tree right so he was taking down the christmas tree and it, my mom was sitting there and as that happened she went into labor pains they rushed her to the hospital and i guess i was coming out so fast i was like coming out in the hallway that was it she was in a wheelchair and they're trying to get her into the delivery room and i'm just i'm just like coming out so I grew up in a parsonage. Now, for those of you who don't know what a parsonage is, a parsonage is is a, a house on church property, meaning it, it's there on loan to the pastor, the, the resident pastor. And my dad was pastoring a church called CBC or Centinella Bible Church. It was in Hawthorne, California. Hawthorne was the home of the Beach Boys, uh, but it's kind of the uh, suburbs of LEX. And it's pretty close to um, uh, Manhattan Beach and it, just a hop and a skip from really West Hollywood and uh, Hollywood and Beverly Hills, all that, just down the freeway, right? Uh, and uh, so I grew up on church property. My backyard opened up into the church parking lot. I mean, my life was good memories. I have, the, the 1980s was a great decade for me. I have almost nothing but pleasant memories. Um, good childhood grew up very poor because it was a parsonage you know not a lot of income for a pastor um i i remember one of the probably the first impactful moment in my life was as a pk pastor's kid and i attended awana now a lot of you know what awana is i'm surprised how many people don't have a clue what awana is awana is a it, it's like baptist based king james it, well no it's not baptist based because it's in a lot of different denominations but it is king james only and it's like a Bible memory verse club for children. They start they they start you out young, like in preschool, and they they go from the cubbies to the sparkies, and they go on up to like a second or third grade or something like that. And I remember being a cubby. I had my little blue vest. It had its patches on there, and the the memory verse that I had to uh memorize that week i still remember it to this day it, it actually is not a verse in the bible but it, it's not a chapter and verse but it, it was god is jesus and jesus is god that's all i, I did, had to go recite that i was like four or five years old and i went and recited it past the i got my little stamp whatever in my book i was really excited i'm jumping out of the room i remember where i was i was going out to the parking lot to go play over at the basketball court and as I walked right into the hallway, I heard a voice, a very, like, I don't know if it was Allah Hayyam, the father. I don't know if it was the Ruach HaKadosh. I don't know if it was uh, Yahushua HaMashiach. I don't know to this day, but I knew it was a divine voice immediately. And the voice said, do you know what this means? That God is Jesus and Jesus is God. And I remember saying out responding like people were like like what is he saying you know but i remember saying out loud i think so yes and then the voice responded uh i will always be with you and i will never forsake you and the i i, I will never forget that and from that moment on i always 
felt like I had this uh, provision over me from uh, the Father. Um, or, uh, of course, I knew the Son back then as Jesus, right? Um, I would say Yehusha HaMashiach now. Uh, and uh, so growing up, let's see, what was the next big event in my life? Um, for a while, my dad, he moved up to Fresno, uh, Fresno uh, to the Eva. He uh, was a assistant pastor. I, I decided to make this move. He was an assistant pastor at Evangelical Free Church in Clovis, which Clovis is, I say Fresno because most people don't know where Clovis is. It's like the suburbs of Fresno. And um, I remember I was baptized there. My dad actually baptized me. And that was my first experience of like, aside from that incidence in Cubbies, it was like my really big gnosis experience. What I mean by gnosis, because that's a scary word for some people, is that gnosis is something that you uh, you can only experience, experience uh, but you can't explain to people. Like you can't put it into words. So the opposite of gnosis is agnostic, meaning that, you know, an agnostic would say there is no true revelation from God, right? Um, but it, a gnosis is, no, you can have a intimate um, uh, experience from God, something that, uh, you know, nobody else has. And I remember being baptized. I was nine years old and I, I came out of the water and I kid you not, like nobody told me about this. Nobody told me what to expect or anything like that. But it, I knew immediately that that was the presence of the Holy Spirit, what I would say now, the Ruach HaKadosh. And I remember walking, I don't remember anything else about that day. I don't remember anything that happened afterwards, but I remember walking down the aisle out of that church after I was baptized and feeling like I was like floating, like, like, like what was keeping me in my body? Like it, it was just joyous experience. I'm like, this is the presence of the Ruach HaKadosh. Um, we moved from there that, that whole situation, that church fell apart. I, I learned very early in life as a young boy, saw firsthand experience of the venomous church politics and how ugly it can get. And it was so bad that eventually my, my parents divorced, they divorced and, um, we went to that, we attended that church from like 1990 to 1991 into 1992. Uh, my parents divorced around, uh, what was it? 2012 or something like that. But according to the testimony I heard years later, it was that event that kind of put the leaven in the relationship that, you know, became a poison, uh, gangrenous uh, decades later. And it wasn't dealt with at that time, unfortunately. I mean, it was it was a tough experience. We were basically homeless and uh, pretty close to living out of the car back in 1992. We had to move into my uh, grandmother's house just to survive. That's a whole nother story. But um, my next big probably development would be when, uh, let's see, we, we moved back to Hawthorne and my dad started pastoring again at uh, the same church, CBC. We moved back into the parsonage. And I remember, okay, so it was a very small church and there were several people in the high school group. And as I was going into junior high, I was the only junior high at the church. And so at, at first, like they didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't in a children's church and I wasn't a good fit for the high schoolers. And um, so this guy comes along. His name is Brad. Uh, he lives in, a, I believe, in New Jersey now. He was about 15 years older than me. I mean, if I was like 15, he was probably like 30. Right. Uh, and he was newly married. And he he said, I'm going to invest in you. And I'm like, OK. And he's like, I'm going to I'm going to do a church with you during Sunday school. hour. I'm going to I'm going to sit there and 
I'm like, okay, cool. So he takes me off to this room and he spent like an entire year with me. And he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to read through the book of Romans. I'm not going to give you, uh, I'm not going to do like a curriculum. I'm not going to give you sermons or studies. We're just going to read together through Romans. I'm like, okay, cool. And he said, we're going to spend a whole year doing that. I'm like, a whole year to read through it? Okay. But he said, no, no, no. We're going to memorize the book. We're going to, if we can memorize the whole book, awesome. But we're going to memorize it line for line, starting on line one. And that was one of the greatest investments anyone has ever given to me. And I know I frustrated that guy to no end. I mean, he wanted to quit a lot because I wasn't putting in effort. And he would come in and go, like, you didn't memorize anything this week. And I'm like, yeah, I was, you know, <laughs> like watching like I Love Lucy reruns or something. I had something more important to do, apparently. And uh, but he kept at it with me. And I'm telling you that the investment he put into me, like, I will never forget. I wish I could, I wish I could hunt him down again. I don't even know where he lives and just tell him, you know, I know that you probably thought that was a waste of time, but it wasn't. Thank you so much for doing that for me, for investing in me. Um, and it was at that time in my life when I realized I was kind of coming into consciousness and realizing that the faith and religion of my parents couldn't be my own, that I was coming into manhood and that I needed to decide, was I going to be a part of this agenda or not? Was I going to believe in the Bible or not? And, um, in, you know, I, I quickly, it, it was, it was in this Roman study. I remember I was sitting there in my room alone and I guess it was the Romans road. It must've been the Romans road. I, I remember I felt so convicted. I started feeling like I am just a worthless sinner. I am so just today I would use the word unclean. Uh, I didn't use that back then. Um, but and I, I just thought that, you know, that there's no possible way that I'm worthy of salvation or anything. And that's when it hit me, just the the uh, unfathomable, unfathomable love of Allah Hayam, or I would say God back then. And I just remember as a 15-year-old just breaking down in tears, just, just how beautiful the gospel story is and how unworthy I am and how, um, how glorious uh, Mashiach is and what he did for us. Uh, and so... It was also at the same time that I had a um, a sleep paralysis incident, and it, it wasn't until I came to the Truther movement years later as an adult, and I started researching the the Anunnaki and the reptilians, and I was like, oh my goodness! Uh, I, I remember I saw this one depiction of a reptilian, and I said, that looks exactly like the reptilian, the the, the creature that was in my room. And I remember um, I couldn't move in bed. I was paralyzed. And this, I don't know if you hear that beeping. That's the coffee back there. And there was this creature that uh, stood over me. And um, he, um, it was one of the only experiences. I'm, I'm sorry if there's any charismatics listening into this. It was one of the only experiences in my life that I ever heard uh, tongue babbling too. Um, I didn't know anything about tongue bab babbling back then. Interestingly enough, I could interpret it. I knew what he was saying, but I knew that it was babbling. Uh, and this, uh, this, so I'll call him a reptilian. He basically, he was telling me, um, that, uh, that if I went through with a life of service to, to God, that, uh, they would just ruin me. They would do everything that they could to destroy me, you know? And I remember being so terrified by that experience because I was, it was sleep paralysis. I didn't know any, 
I didn't even know what that was. I had never experienced anything like that before. I remember for the next two days, I was trembling. I couldn't speak. And people were like, what is wrong with you? You know, and I couldn't even tell people what it was. Well, lo and behold, because we lived in a parsonage, parsonage is kind of like a missionary hotel. And these missionaries will go on these circuits. And what, what people don't realize with missionaries is it's kind of like this discussion we're having tonight. Missionaries hate asking for money. They hate it, but they have to, right? It's like they need the support to continue doing what they're doing. It, guys, if the mission back in the day, now maybe it's different now with the internet. Of course, the world has changed a lot. But back in the day, if the missionaries are coming home on a home journey, they in their minds, they failed. Because their life is back in Papua New Guinea or India or, you know, East Africa, wherever they're at, right? Wherever they're stationed, that's their life. Those are their friends. That's their church. That's their family. They have to come back over here and hop around church after church after church and meet a lot of strangers and, you know, get the, the talk about, you know, you know, whatever, you know, oh, you're just, you know, in the money, whatever, that kind of thing. You have to deal with that week after week. So we hosted a lot of missionaries. We were a missionary hotel. And I grew up with these, you know, stories of demon possession and, you know, wrestling anacondas, you know, you know, like people getting flung onto walls by demon possessed people and witch doctors. Like these are the stories that were just common in my house. I didn't even have to watch them in movies. They would just come over firsthand experiences. And really these missionaries come over and they identified themselves as YWAM missionaries. That means youth with a mission, if anyone is familiar with it. I've never been with YWAM. Uh, I have encountered uh, YWAM uh, in other countries. Uh, and But I was really interested. I'm like, you can, you can just go to these other countries with YWAM? They're like, yeah, we can send you anywhere you want in the world. Anywhere you know, We send people all over. But they said, uh, we have something kind of seems more up your alley. And they they gave me the name of a missions organization called Teen Missions International. Some of you may have heard of that. And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I want to do that. And they basically, for like three months, they will send teenagers. This is pre-9-11, guys. The world was a different place. They would just send you to a different country for like three months at a time. And you just live there and you work. And um, I'm 15 years old at the time. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. And I did. I signed up. By the time I was 16, I went off for three months and lived in um, East Africa, Kenya, in the Rift Valley. Uh, I was uh, I was living in a tent with the Maasai tribe. I mean, this was the most incredible experience of my life. And we were. I was right on what's called uh, Lake Naivasha, uh, actually a place called Hippo Lagoon. And it's right where, when I had arrived, National Geographic had just finished doing a nine-month documentary there on the hippos. So I, I could talk a whole night on that. I'm not going to talk about the amazing experience of when I was 16, uh, living with the Maasai tribe and, you know, fending off the baboons and the hyenas, you know, coming through my camp every night and the zebras and the giraffes and the lions and, you know, the, the hippos and all that. It was great times. So at the end of that summer... Uh, two really interesting things happened. One is I flew to uh, to England, and I stayed there for a week before I came home. And uh, there was a, uh, I was staying in like this old uh, World War II orphanage when they were kind of like, if you know the line, the witch in the wardrobe, when they were sending all the children out of London because of the air raids, this is one of the places they sent children to. And they lived in this huge home. And now it was just vacant. It was just this whole, it, it was like the, Professor Kirk's house. I mean, it was just hallway after hallway, empty rooms with just like a couch or yeah, yes, a wardrobe. I remember one room we had the wardrobe, and you know, with the skeleton key locks and and there's nobody in it. I'm just sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag. It was awesome. And 
and this uh, pastor came through, gave a fiery sermon. Now, I have never in my life ever responded to a, an altar call. I always have found altar calls many times to be emotionally deceptive. Even as a child, I saw, I'm like, yeah, come on now. You're just playing with my emotions, you know. And people go up because they feel they need to or whatever. And, you know, it's all for show because if you don't, it's like, what's your problem, right? But this was really interesting because his altar call was not about repentance or whatever. It was, I want you to come forward if you want to dedicate your life to be a missionary. And I was like, what? Because I had never heard that in an altar call before. That's what I wanted. I wanted to dedicate my life to be a missionary. And so I that was the only altar call I ever went up to. And I remember I was like kind of trembling as I walked up because I, I again, I heard the voice, the voice and telling me like, do you know what you are devoting yourself to? This is serious. Like, this isn't a game. If you're going to go up there, this is serious. And I was like, yeah, I think I know what I'm doing. And I went up there and I devoted myself to be a missionary. Now, I had no clue what I was, you know, what I was going to be as a missionary growing up. It was all mysterious. I'm, I'm 16 years old this time. Now, the other important thing that happened that very week is that I was standing in front of Buckingham Palace. Yes, I know, Buckingham Palace, right? I was standing in front of Buckingham Palace the moment we got word. The Princess Diana was killed in a tunnel in uh, Paris. Now, whether or not she, you know, died or not, that's that's a mute point. Um, and uh, and I, so I remember I got home and I, I watched the funeral on TV. And within a couple days, uh, I so I'm 16 years old. I go back to school. Now I had just had the most amazing summer ever. I mean, I might as well have gone to Narnia. I must have, I might as well have gone to another dimension, another universe, whatever. And I'm coming back to this ghetto high school with bars and gangs and you know drugs, you know just the, the, whatever, just awful. Right? I feel I feel like I'm in prison, and I was. I was in a <laughs> I was in an indoctrination, you know, like a FEMA camp basically. Um, and it was a uh, third period. We just had a nutrition and um, I was not the uh, the best student. I was actually a very, uh, I was a very, I, I rebelled against the system. I was actually very polite towards, I was always polite towards authority. I was never, if they saw me as rebellious towards them, it's because in my own head, I wasn't going with the agenda, right? But I always spoke respectfully, but uh, oh, I'll get to that. Uh, I remember uh, the bell rang nutrition's over. I'm sitting there. And I remember the, the very moment uh, my future wife walked through the door. I saw her for the first time ever. And it was the only time, this is not a pickup line that I have. It was the only time ever that uh, the voice of, it was either Allah Hayam. Uh, I, I actually think it was the, uh, the Ruach HaKadosh. I, mean, I believe it was the Ruach HaKadosh speaking to me. It was the only time, uh, and the, the exact words were, as I was looking at her, she came in in her cadet uh, uniform. And I, I was just awestruck by her, just just smacked over. And the voice said, be kind to her. She's of importance to you. Those were the exact words. Be kind to her. She's of importance to you. And I, from that moment, I'm like, what? I had never looked at a woman before and heard the voice of the Almighty, you know, or, or either the Ruach HaKadosh or Yahuwah or al speaking to me like that. And from that moment on, I, I, had, I was very fearful of her like like a holy fear you know and i i, I took that advice and it, it was basically uh the matchmaker the ruach they're saying look i'm gonna try my best to get you guys together don't screw this up it's like one of those things like if, if you know you have uh, you're gonna get the job and you they tell you like you're gonna get the job but you have to go to the job the interview and just 
like don't show up with a hangover you know just have your teeth brushed you know something like that like, don't screw this up like if if you screw this up like just we're gonna smack you over the head type thing right that's what this was I, i'll tell you how this matchmaking situation worked uh my wife sarah was uh, a 4.0 plus student she she was the valid victorian of her class okay she graduated with a full ride to college not only a full ride to college she got a full ride to the university of spoiled children usc uh, for her masters all right uh and i was of course you know my inspiration was like you know living under a pier and being a poet and driving across the country on a motorcycle that was my you know kind of my my view of a good time and um and so i wasn't supposed to be in this class i was actually in an honors class there was only one honors class i was ever put in in my whole high school experience and uh, that was this class and afterwards my counselor uh, it was the only class in all of high school i failed to i failed out of this class um and afterwards my counselor came to me and and said i'm sorry i put you in the wrong class you weren't supposed to be in there so you could see how Yaz on the move here. This was all planned, right? And uh, oh, I got to give this story. I I, I was going to pass this one up, but um, so I did have I did have some. I'd like to think I had some wisdom um, as a young man. I didn't have a lot going for me, uh, grade wise. And uh, hold on here. I just noticed that. Uh, ah, get rid of that. Okay. And so because my wife was on the cadet squad, I realized that if I wanted to get close, to, uh, she wasn't my wife at that time, but the girl uh, that, uh, that the divine spoke to me, I wanted to get close to her, but I realized that to get close to someone on the squad, you had, you had to be, everyone else in the squad had to be okay with you. I kind of understood that dynamic between like with men, it's not like that at all. But with women, it is right. You, their girlfriends have to be okay with you. And so, rather than ruining a good thing, I decided I was going. I, I looked at all, uh, all of her friends. I took note of all of her friends, and I said, "I'm going to make friends with her friends first. And I literally did. I went up to her friends and I made friends with them. There was nothing like, you know, uh, flirting or anything like that. Just you know, straight on friends, and. We're coming up on Christmas break. This is 1997. If you uh, need to know where uh, where we're at on the timetable, and the movie Titanic is coming out with James Cameron, and we're coming up on Christmas break, and I asked one of her friends on the squad, "Could I get her number?" And they're like, "Ooh, you know, like and they give me her number," and so uh, over Christmas break, I go watch the movie Titanic, and you know, my heart will go on all that all that crap. And I'm really inspired. I'm like, this is such a good movie. I'm so inspired by this movie. And so I decide when I get home, I'm going to call her up. Now, this is before cell phones. You remember there's the, there's a household phone. Uh, it might be in the kitchen. It might be in the living room. It's got the wire, right? And uh, my parents had a phone in their bedroom, same line. Of course, I wanted the privacy, right? Because I'm going to talk to a girl. So I tell my parents, hey, can I use it in your phone, in, uh, in your room? I closed the door. I was probably in there for an hour trying to work up the courage. I started punching in the numbers and then I would hang up. You know, I wouldn't get there. I finally got through. One of her sisters picked up the phone. I'm like, no, you know, because now the gossip has already started up in the household. But when I got Sarah on the other end, I didn't ask her on a date. Of course, I, I've come to find out later she was too young. Her parents wouldn't have let her anyways. 
But I said, uh, <laughs> I said, when we come back to class, uh, can I be your lab partner? And she said, yes. So I, I got to be her lab partner, right? So, uh, and Sarah has told me since that I was her favorite lab partner ever because <laughs> I let her do all the work. And I thought I thought I would be like the worst ever, but she said, no, you don't understand. Every lab partner I had, they were so like academically like ambitious that they would, they you know, there'd be these arguments over who did what, and you just let me do all the work. <laughs> and that was awesome. So I'm like, yeah. So uh, anyways, so let's see, let's fast forward, uh, graduate from high school. Um, let's see, I don't know what to tell next. I, I did a lot of more missions work, went to Africa again, went to Israel again, different stuff like that. Eventually ended up uh, marrying my wife. We were very young. She was 19, I was 21. We were both in college. Uh, but she was, like I said, she had a full ride. I did not. So I'm going to City College, right? And um we actually eloped we got married secretly and my parents knew uh my college pastor knew a few and they all supported it um what i mean by secretly is we didn't tell anybody we just kept it very very uh hush low-key we actually drove out to las vegas and uh got married 3 30 in the morning now we were young and uh unknowledgeable uh about how these things work we thought you you just went to Vegas and got married because that's the way it's portrayed in the movies. Well, it actually doesn't work out that way. So uh, we would go to like the drive through chapel and all these different places. And we're like, we want to get married. And they're like, do you have a, um, uh, a marriage license? And we're like, no, this is Vegas. They're like, well, you can't get married without a marriage uh, license. And we're like, well, where do we get one? And they're like, you got to go to the, well, at this hour, it's, this is like, you know, two in the morning, whatever. And it's like, well, you got to go to the courthouse. So, and because it, it was a 24-hour courthouse in Vegas, and we and I would say, well, why am I going to come back here again if I can just get married at the courthouse? There's a judge there, so we go to the courthouse. We actually wait in line to get married. I, I will never forget the couple in front of us. Uh, they were so wasted. Um, they were like, we never saw their face because they're just like, you know, like this, like you know, hands and arms over each other, like trying to hold each other up and making out. They go in front of us. They get married. I hope they made it. I don't really know uh then it's our turn to go into the judge and the judge says do you have any witnesses i'm like this is vegas i thought you could just get married she's like no you need witnesses and we're like oh, this is just ridiculous. so she's like okay she calls in the filipino security guard great he didn't speak any english he was a witness we got married 3 30 in the morning we were so uh poor that uh we eventually moved into a garage uh had no bathroom in the kitchen um then we finally got an apartment which did have a bathroom and a kitchen and we were so poor, but we never there was never a day we fought there was never i mean we, we were never we just loved every minute of it you know we were together we were building this empire together you know to, and um they say a lot of people there's all these these myths out there that you have to be established before you get married i think that's the biggest bs it's like no 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 build it together you know build your fortune together uh so i gotta tell this story uh, so again, I'm 21. My wife is 19. We're really young. I actually uh, dropped out of college and worked so that my wife uh, could, and uh, she flew through college uh, and then her master's. But uh, a, a, another couple of friends of ours, they got married at the same time as we did. They were the same age, very young. And we all, all four of us said, you know, we need to start like a marriage group, like a young marriage group. 
so we went through the proper channels. We went to our church. Uh, it was, um, well, I'll give the name. Um, it was Grace Brother and Church in Long Beach. It was a mid-sized church, like a thousand people or more that went there. And uh, so we were living in Long Beach, California at this time. And uh, they, the, the staff told us, no, we're not going to do that. And we're like, what do you mean? Like, we, we want to do a young marriage group on Sunday morning. They're like, yeah, that's not going to do that. Um, it just wasn't their agenda. So uh, we wisely stated, um, I wish man, I wish it didn't take me so many decades to realize that I had the spiritual authority and you know the responsibility over my own life and not what a pastor tells me. Most people go through their whole lives and they think they have no spiritual authority and they have to depend on their pastor, right? Anyways, we said, okay, fine. If you're not going to let us meet for Sunday school hour, we'll go off campus uh, and meet somewhere else. And, you know, they grudgingly said, well, okay, we don't like that, but okay. So we go off to It's a Grind Coffee House and we're meeting there. Well, now the problem was is that it started attracting other people to the group. And the church was like, we can't have this. So they invited us back on campus. So you can come back, but you the, the, the kicker is, is that you can't be in any classroom. You have to be outside. You can, be, you can meet outside on the campus, but don't go in any of the classrooms. There's a lot of empty classrooms. And we're like, okay. So we meet out there, and that's another eyesore because now more people are being attracted to this group. And now it's like they can't have that, so then they, they move us into a back room. Now, why am I telling you this story? Uh, there were a lot of people getting married at the same time that were young at this church. And it was a very trendy church, very you know cool kid church, a lot of tattoos, right? This is when tattoos are coming through. And we had like a, a Hollywood script, right? The guy who wrote, uh, was it Bruce Almighty or whatever, you know, he had, he, he worked and a guy working for Entertainment Weekly, you know, it's one of those churches. It's, it's like a Hollywood church. And, and so a, a lot of these young kids getting married, it, it was, it wasn't cool for them to be in a young marriage group, right? They want to be with the, the cool people, right? The Hollywood people. And, um, and so they didn't attend our group. Now, again, the reason I'm telling the story is that uh, within 10 years, every single person that was in our young marriage group were still married. And to this day, to my knowledge, every single person that was in the group is still married 20 plus years. Within 10 years, every single couple, save one, and I hope they make it, I really do, uh, they were all divorced. Every single one of them. Now, I've spent most of my, before we had children, um, and I'll get into that a little bit, um, I spent most of my adult life um, uh, leading young marriage groups. Young marriage groups was a passion of mine. And that's where I kind of... Um, uh, kind of got my spurs, so to speak, uh, leading young marriage groups. And I look back at this and I go, was there anything I said that made those marriages successful? And my conclusion is no, there was nothing I said. No, there was no recipe for success, nothing I said, no wisdom, anything like that. It was on the mere basis that all these young couples, including my wife and I, we came into this going, we need help. We don't know how to do this. We want to invest in our marriage, right? It's the same way for anyone listening. Like you need to invest in your spirit, your soul, your spiritual life, invest in your family, right? You need to take that responsibility. And so the people from the very beginning, they're like, yeah, we're going to invest in this. They were off to a good start. Whereas the others, they thought they had it. They're good to go. They fell apart, just shattered. Um, so uh, it was um, at this time, too, that I started a uh, entered a missions internship because I want to become a missionary. Um, at that time, I was really interested in Islam. 
wanted to go off to the Middle East, be one of those under, you know, undercover guys, you know, type of thing. Um, that excited me. And I remember it kind of started getting a little wobbly because there was something I could, I could never figure out about the Bible. It just never made sense to me was there was something wrong theologically, you know, because you're, you're taught to, to, to interpret all the scripture through Paul's letters. I mean, if we're all honest here. People attack the Torah all the time. There's got to be something really wrong about, about this, about you open up the Bible, you skip the first thousand pages and you go straight to Paul's letters and all of the scripture is interpreted through there. There's something wrong about it. You're, you're missing something. And I couldn't figure it out for the longest time. And I remember I sat in a church meeting and I, you know, it's always statements you make, you hear this all the time where you burn bridges and you, know, you get thrown out to the curb. I remember saying to the senior pastor and a bunch of other pastors were there in the room and i said i get this feeling that if jesus christ were to come back to the earth today that he would be overturning tables all over again in churches and teaching us something that we have wrong theologically these were my actual this was my actual phrase that would cause the church to crucify him all over again and they just looked at me and they didn't say get out, but it was it was a get out moment. Like you're done. Like you just ruined your internship. It's over. And from that moment on, my you know, when they saw that I was a dissenter, um, uh, I had no future there. Um, and of course, that real that realization came to me finally years later when I uh, came to the truth of the Torah. Now, let's fast forward. I'll talk about my children. I have two, I have three children, but uh, uh, a lovely daughter uh, who I love uh, more than life itself. Uh, she's the joy of my life and my two sons as well. Uh, they're twins. And we, uh, we spent, let's see, I think we were married like 14 years before we had children. It was a long, long time of waiting and um, uh, it, it, inability to have children. And um, anyways, finally happened. It was a glorious moment. We had a home birth, both born in our in our bedroom. Um, I delivered them, of course, there. And so this is where it, it, the narrative really starts picking up. So they were born in 2014, uh, in July 2014. And uh, the following year in April, the first several months are born, you know, because I had twin boys. And I just rem remember... I remember looking out the window going, it's light out, it's dark out, it's light out. It's, I had no idea what time of day it was or day of the week, whatever. It was just, it was just big blur, right? T trying to survive with these two babies, uh, with twins. And it was April of 20, 2015, and we were dedicating them in front of the church. Uh, I was there with some of my buddies, one of the pastor of the church. He was a buddy of mine. He was dedicating his beautiful daughter. And so I'm holding Eric up there, and my wife has uh, Ira. And and all of a sudden, once again, I hear the voice of of Allah Hayam, uh, and the the actual words was "Wake up!" It was "Wake up!" Boom! And I kid you not, it was like a light switch. Just there was my there was this dark delight moment. They would just click, and the the voice was so audible. I'm standing up there like a deer in front of headlights and the pastor's talking this long speech and then he's praying and I don't hear anything he's saying. And I'm looking around at the whole audience going, did anyone just hear that? 
that's how it, it was like in the like <laughs> this idea of like the old testament like noah you know build a boat you know it was like that it was wake up and I, i'm standing there going father what do you want what do you want to show anything you show me anything and i that is the moment i literally when we talked about waking up that was the moment i woke up and it, it was a light switch that yahuwah personally did he personally turned it on and said i want you to wake up now i want you to come to life and i, I went from being a zombie a normie to overnight like this is april this is april 2015 so overnight like i'm learning that rome is evil right and <laughs> they got that the lucifer uh telescope and i'm learning about the fed and i'm learning about fema camps and uh, a jade helm if you guys all remember uh, summer 2015 jade helm and my wife is as well and we're just like like just quickly i mean we and then it quickly you know goes into the flat earth and the mandela effect and things like that right all these things are coming together and we we're in california and we're like judgment is coming on california california is going to be judged and we want out of this place and i remember we said it at the same time my wife and i uh where we 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 said let's sell everything move into an rv and get out of here and that so this is now we go from april to june of 2015. in june of 2015 within eight weeks because we're going up to august 1st we successfully sold our house got rid of all of our things our families like you guys have gone off the deep end you guys went cuckoo mode what happened when you dedicated your child because something happened to you guys uh we don't know you guys anymore and we drove august 1st 2015 we were out of we drove over the border we well, actually it was august 2nd we drove over the border into yuma california uh yuma arizona um over the border there so as we're driving over the border i once again hear the voice of the divine and you i hope you guys understand why i say the voice of the divine i i i can't always i don't always know if this is allah Ham speaking if this is yahuwah speaking or i should say yahusha hamashiach or the ruach hakadesh i think this was i think this time this was uh yahusha speaking and he's i remember i'm driving over the border leaving california right as we left california's to my back yuma's ahead of us and the voice said i'm going to take everything from you everything and and i i'm thinking like i'm being chastised i mean i'm being like what did i do wrong I, and 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 it said again i'm going to take everything from you and not only that i knew exactly where it was going to happen like we we thought we were set we had all these investments you know while other people are partying and going seeing cold play and you know whatever we're like you know we're investing right and um and it happened uh to the long story short it happened to the very day uh to the very place um he told me it would happen and we're we're uh months later we're leaving florida we drove across the country for several months about nine months trying to find a place where y'all wanted us and i just prayed my way across the country and as we're leaving uh the florida border going up to georgia up the 90 i-95 we're a mile into georgia and sarah looks at me and said we lost everything it's all gone and i it, i knew it it had to be as we we're leaving florida and it got to the point where we were we went into debt so quickly uh that within a few weeks after that we didn't even know how we we're going to feed our children another meal like we had lost everything and so we parked it in um uh 
Mount Pleasant, which is just outside of Charleston, South Carolina, at the, the KOA there, which is a, a really cool uh, KOA if anyone's never been there before. It's actually an old slave plantation. Of course, we live now on an old slave plantation, but uh, the, the, uh, the plantation house is still there and all that. And and um, like the slave graveyard. And and so I, I was walking down this, uh, this trail that the slaves apparently walked down for hundreds of years on the way to the rice paddies. And um, we had lost everything. And and I, I just got to this point where I just started praising Yah for taking it all from us. I'm like, again, remember the, the Romans moment? I'm like, I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy to have anything. You have, you know, you have, you can give us whatever you want. You have the right to take it away. And who am I to, to, um, to critique that? And so uh, it was probably like within a couple of days, uh, entry, interestingly enough, I'm not a Calvary Chapel guy. I've had some experience with Calvary Chapel, but I decided to go visit this Calvary Chapel. Um, and uh, we're in the worship service, and I hear again the voice of uh, Yahusha, and he says, "He says you're going to stay right here." And and I'm like, uh, 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 "Affirm that? Did I hear? You want me to stay here?" And he said, "I want you to stay right here." And I said, "Okay, just for clarification." Like everyone's singing, right? This is in the middle of a, a service. I'm like, just for clarification, did you say you want me to stay right here? And he said, the third time, I want you to stay right here. And um, interesting enough, this Calvary Chapel, we don't go, you know, we go, don't go to Sunday church, but this is right around the corner of our house. Within one week, uh, he provided us with an amazing job and uh, this beautiful house on an alligator preserve. I mean, just it's just un unbelievably gorgeous. I, we love it. And um, he's had us there ever since. Uh, and so it just, he, it, you know, he was systematically, you know, breaking us down through this and chiseling away the, the rough stone to, you know, to make us dependent on him. Um, so, you know, the flat earth is taking off, all this is going on. And I was a closeted uh, flat earther for at least a year. Um, I had actually started my original blog, Our Ways of Highway, in 2015, which then developed into the Unexpected Cosmology on the basis that I wanted to start giving people truth and stuff like, oh, John Kerry's going down to Antarctica and the watchers are there, you know, like, things like that, right? But I didn't, um, you know, I don't want to talk about the Rockefellers. And, and, but I, I didn't, at that time, I didn't have that you guys would never know this now reading my stuff i was so in, uh, intimidated i i <laughs> i didn't talk about anything um and so before my parents found out that i believe the earth was flat uh online i wanted to go back to california and tell them in person now i i, I love i love my parents i'm not i don't want to disrespect them or anything like that um you know i want to honor my parents when i give the story right so i'm not belittling them or anything like that at least I don't intend to. This is just this is just fact. This is just the way it happened. Um, so I go back. I fly back to California. This is like December of uh, uh, 2016 at this point, because I, I I had intended in January 2017 to start my flat Earth uh, writings up, and uh, I sit down with my dad and I'm like, I've given this story a lot of times. A lot of you probably know this, and I said, you know, Dad, I um. It, let me just back up because, you know, I grew again, remind you, I grew up in a parsonage. Dad was a pastor, grew up around Greek speakers, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was a I grew up in a sola scriptura household. That is one of the the banners of the Protestant Reformation, sola scriptura, scripture alone, you know, chapter and verse, you know, 
I, I'm not going to believe any tradition of man. It needs to say it in scripture. It needs to come from God. It needs to be written down. And if it says it, I will believe it, right? I will, I will take it literally at its word. I'll give you one, uh, Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the man who delights in the Torah of Yahuwah. And on that Torah, he meditates day and night. He will be like what? He will be like a tree planted by the water. I mean, telling you literally that if you delight day and night in the Torah, you will be firm in your foundations, right? We're not supposed to believe that, right? But but I take that literally. That's what it says. That's what I do. I, you are blessed if you delight in the day and night, the Torah. Well, I, I sat down with my dad and I was like, I was like, Dad, you know, uh, uh, we grew up as young earth creationists and we're really into it. He said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, I started reading about like this idea of cosmology, how the, you know, the, here we are, the unexpected cosmology, because uh, it was unexpected, right? Uh, it, about, you know, about this, like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember what it was called back then. You know, it's the firmament. I'm like, what is it called? And my, my dad said, it's the firmament. I'm like, yeah. And, there, and there's, and he's like, there's water above. I'm like, yes. And he's, and I, I'm like, there's these pillars. And he's like, yes, the pillars that hold up. I'm like, he's describing it better than me. And I'm like, dad, how, how come you've never told me about this before? And I'll never forget that moment. He stands up and he says, I'm going to walk into the other room. I'm going to pull down my physics textbook from college. I'm going to come back in here. I'm going to prove you wrong. He walked out of the room. He never came back. And I was like flabbergasted. I couldn't believe that. And you know why he never came back? Is because he didn't have the heart to disprove the Bible. He knew what the Bible said. And it was in that moment very early on that I, I recognized, it's guys, it's not hard for people to see the flat earth in the Bible. It's not that hard. It's the fact that people, it, it, this argument, it's not about the shape of the earth. It's about the shape of humanity. It's not about, you know, uh, levels and all that it's it's about people seeing the globe and everything in that globe that they love and realizing that if that's wrong that that you know if, if the lie is so grand that that is wrong that there's all these other things in this globe that they huddle close to them to their bosom that they have to give up you know it, it's a pandora's box when you open that up it, it's you just see all the demons fly out you know um all right so I'm now engaged in the, the flat earth movement. And I, I miss those early days, like 2015, 2016, even 2017. They were just such, it was such a good time where a lot of people, they all like knew each other, you know? And even if like, you know, they didn't know me that well, I knew them and they kind of knew me, you know, that kind of stuff. And there was a disease in the flat earth movement. And his name is Rob Skiba. Let me, <laughs> allow me to explain. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Protestant, right? And I'm, I'm kind of like digging the Anabaptists at this time because the Anabaptists were like the rebels of the, the Protestant Reformation. They believed in soul sleep and uh, the, the Amish come out of the Anabaptists, right? And I was kind of digging that. And I, and um, I, so I'm kind of in these like Baptist crowds. And I gave, uh, I, I, I admit, I gave King James only the old college try. And I really did. And the King James only people are looking at me going like, no, you're not one of us. You know? <laughs> just, you just go somewhere else and like oh i'm like okay all right but uh, one of the things that that a lot of people back then uh, who were more protestant minded because back then the flat earth movement is very biblical like it's changed dramatically now um it seems like you know other crowds have taken it over but it was just a lot of good old baptist boys you know talking about scripture and he was a disease because he was bringing in the torah right he was he was bringing these hebrew roots he was bringing in he was a judaizer 
And people were coming up to me going, no, you need to disprove this Rob Skiba guy. You need to shut him down. He's he's coming in to destroy the whole movement. You know, we had a good thing until this guy showed up. And so I didn't even know what Torah observance really was back then. I remember I went to the Flat Earth Conference in, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, 2017. And that was the first time I ever met uh, – uh, I, I saw people with t- uh, tassels. I'm like, who, who, who are these people? Why are they wearing these tassels? I, I, that's how ignorant I was um, of you know, understanding you know, all this stuff. So um, basically I was like, I'm going to use the book of Galatians. I'm going to prove Rob Skiba wrong. Now, it took me about a year of investigation. I started looking into it from November 2017 – and um, by December of 2018, I was in such a fix. And, and I, I, I was very wise to not make a move against the tour because I think if I had, I think Yah would have shut, he would have given me over to the, my delusions and shut down, you know, just darkened my vision. I really think he would have. I see that happen a lot. And so I'm like, you know what? I, I'm supposed to do this hit piece on Rob Skiba. I'm going to call Rob Skiba up on the phone. And Rob Skiba knew. He knew who I was at this time. He knew I was a writer. He knew I was very talented. Uh, he knew I had uh, the the possibility of persuading a lot of people one way or another. He took the call with me. And, of course, we we formed a, a, a bond, a friendship after that. Uh, I spent many, many, many nights just talking to Rob Skiba and just just hearing his stories and just really, you know, good times. But, you know, I asked all the, just the stereotypical questions. I'm like, yeah, Rob, but what about Peter's visions of the animals on the sheet? Got you there. You know, you can't explain that one. And then he just, you know, you know, for anyone who knows Rob's kid, he just whipped out his answer. I'm like, dang, Rob, <laughs> that you're right. And I remember at the end, I, at the end of that conversation, conversation, I said to Rob, I said, he heard it on my voice. I'm just overjoyed. Like this, this well of joy bubbled up within me. And I said, Rob, you're right. The Torah abides, is eternal, and it is for all people. And and uh, that was that was like the turning point for me. And so I remember um, somebody got word that I had spoken to Rob Skiba, and he knew like a bunch of different Baptist pastors in the South. And this is not a coincidence. The last Sunday church we ever went to, we went to this uh, independent Baptist church in the Charleston area. It was after that phone conversation. The pastor gets up there, and he his whole sermon is about thank God that that cursed law is done away with, and we don't have to keep that anymore. And he kept saying over and over again that you know that the fleshly people who want you know or who desire to keep the law. I'm like, what kind of fleshly person? <laughs> What's to be obedient? Oh, you you're so fleshly. You just want to be more obedient to the Father. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. But whatever. And I looked at Sarah and I said. This is so wrong. And we got up and we left. We never came back. Like, and the next week was our first Sabbath. We kept it. It was like we entered this uh, this spiritual paradigm. I mean, it was just, it, it was so like nothing we'd ever experienced before. We felt like we entered this new dimension. It was just, it was glorious. Um, so that kind of kept, I think that kind of catches me up to speed, really. Um, and, um, you know, I, this I've really enjoyed this experience with the unexpected cosmology and just uh, it, it really started because you know that I went through like a year or two of just learning and learning and just eat sleep poop flat earth type of thing right 
And you guys know how it is. You get so anxious. You just keep looking and devouring information. And then I got to the end of the year and I look back and go, I got no notes. I got nothing to show anybody. I can't remember half of it. I forgot probably 90% of what I read. And so I'm like, I got to start recording this stuff. So I just started uh, taking what I was learning and writing it down and showing people, hey, what do you think about this? And that's really what this has been about all, all along. And, you know, I don't claim to be a be right. I know that I'm wrong about a lot of things. This is not a pride issue for me. I mean, the very fact that I keep changing my opinion, and let me uh, clarify this, uh, I've changed my opinion many times on the scripture, many, many, many times. And every single time it is to take it more literally. Every time it is to, uh, to when I when I realize I'm wrong on something and I embrace something else, I people ask me all the time, Noel, how do you know what is true? What, what is your measuring stick? Now, you have to have the whole discussion on whether or not you believe the Bible is true, right? That that's a whole different discussion. But assuming that we can come to the agreement that that the Bible is the testimony of Yahuwah and his work in his story, um, the way I gauge truth is if if I embrace an idea and I start seeing all these things that I didn't see before, and they start it, it becomes more clear and focused. And you know, crackling with illum uh, illumination and animation, whatever. Like I'm like, yeah, this is just truth. You know, this is this is building a fuller, richer picture for me. But when I start going in a direction and it's like things start shutting down and darkening and closing, I'm like, yeah, I think I need to backtrack up, um, backtrack. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story. I probably I left out tons of details, and I've been talking for an hour and a half. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed my journey. And um, I just want to reiterate that I want to be doing this for many, many more years. Uh, I really love what I do. This this brings me so much fulfillment in life. And I want to um, be a guide for people. I want to, and you know, by the idea of being a guide or a teacher is that you're not telling people what to believe, all right? you know, there's like this, I see the comments that go around online. They're like, Noel's a cult leader. You know, the unexpected cosmology is a cult. It's like, really? Like, you think this place is a cult? <laughs> we have a saying here uh, that uh, that TUC is the worst cult ever. Because the whole idea here is that we all peacefully disagree with each other. We get together and we're like, Here's what here's what I've been looking at. And someone says, well, here's what I've been looking at. And someone else says, well, look what I've been looking at. And we're like, hmm. And we all think about it, right? And we all respectfully disagree with each other. And um, and so the idea of a uh, of a guide or a, a teacher is again not to hold your hand. It is not to tell you what to think, but it is to to point the way for you to take the responsibility for yourself to um, to go down the narrow path, right? It's, it's to, it's to help kind of show the way, but you have to be able to, uh, ultimately make the journey for yourself. And so I see myself in a position where, again, I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary to the truth community, the truth, the pursuit of truth community where I'm standing here and I'm talking about all these different, so I love just all these, I'll talk about almost anything, right? I just, and I love to just sit in a room and just listen to people talk about different conspiratorial stuff. And I'm here to say, okay, but the ultimate fulfillment, um, all this stuff, well, yeah, we're being lied to, Satan's running the world, so on and so forth. It's a short season. 
But all of this points to the fact that there is a king, this king has laws, and that if you want to take um, uh, a, a big, you know, deeper steps of, of, in your relationship with Yahuwah, is to be obedient to his commands, right? To keep the Sabbath day, to eat clean, you know, to keep his feast. And you just, you start there and you start, you know, expanding on the rest. That is my, that is the passion of my heart to be, to be the flag bearer, you know, to, to hold up the flag. I'll close on this analogy. If you're, if you're looking at like, um, look at like battles that took place when the, when gunpowder was invented, we're talking about the official narrative. So let's talk about the civil war. I know, right. But what if the civil war never happened, but just hang with me here. Maybe it was a series of just, you know, uh, Masonic drills or whatever, but let's assume that we're in a civil war battle. Right. And, and it, it's, there's explosions and it's the, the heat of the sun, it's sweltering heat of summer, there's sweat, there's blood, there's people screaming, there's smoke, you can't see more than 10 feet of, in front of you, you can't hear anything, and your only hope of survival is to look for the flag bearer. Uh, and of course, each platoon would have their unique trumpeting calls to to rally people because unless if you're like within like ten feet or whatever of your your captain or your whoever is running the show, you're you're not hearing anything they're talking about. It's confusing. You're dizzy. You don't know which way is northeast, south, or west. Right? It's it's so you look for the flag bearer. You look for the flag guy, and you rally to the flag. You know, and every every platoon had their own flags. And if you remember the movie Glory which took place uh, actually in Charleston, my own hometown, uh, where the, you know, they charged Fort Wagner. Remember that scene where the, the flag bearer, he's running, he gets shot down, the flag falls. Another guy runs, he picks up the flag, he gets shot, it falls. And then another guy runs and grabs the flag, and you know that he's probably going to get shot, right? But that's the idea of a flag bearer. They're there to rally the people together and say, let's do this, right? Um so that's that's my vision for the unexpected cosmology ultimately to be that flag bearer for the people to 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 bring people into uh, a deeper understanding of who uh Yahuwah is and his uh plan and his story uh i love you guys um and um you know i i want to be around for many many years but like i said the situation has to change um, going back to what i originally started with um you know if we're going to a single income household. That's probably fact. Um, and um, I, I, I cannot continue doing this. I like, I need your guys' support. If, if, this, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, um, if anything that I have said tonight has resonated with you or is true, uh, then I ask for your support. And I believe that we can make this. What I, what I, the, the fundraiser that I showed, that's just a short-term solution. That's to get us up to this, you know, through the spring. Um, but we need uh, we need people who are subscribing to Patreon uh, Patreon account, you know, and and just be like, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what, even if you don't agree with everything, that's fine. I don't even agree with myself some of the time. It, it just it, that's that's what it's like searching for the truth, right? You you have to be in order to search for the truth, you have to be willing to be wrong. If you're afraid of being wrong, then you're not going to discover the truth. Because you, you you have to be able to step out of the box and take some missteps, right? Um, but if you believe in what we're doing here, I kindly ask for your support, please. And um, love you guys. I'll be turning off the camera. I'm going to be wired for a long time uh, with the coffee I drink. And uh, we'll be doing tour portions in uh, this Friday. And I'll be giving a presentation also on chess in the Millennial Kingdom. Looking forward to doing that. And I'll see you guys around. Good night, everybody.